I was in the show in New York called The Fantastics, which happened to be not that far from his office. I mean, he could he probably could walk there in twenty mm-hmm. three minutes and get a cab there in five. And he came often. Mm. <laughs> He'd show up. You know, he'd be, I'd, I'd hear somebody say, hey, Mr. Cryer. And he was walking mm. backstage and, hey, hey, dad, nice to see you tonight. But he mm. was so supportive. And and my mother, too, um, she didn't have that pull to, to music per se, but so supportive. And it was so ingrained in me that if, if someone is living a, a dream of any kind, I want to be happy for them. And it has nothing to do with me. You know, it is, it's all about honoring them and, and good for you, dude. And, and man, I'm so excited for you. And so that it's hard for me to feel jealous of other people's success because yeah. it's like I, it, this is for them. This is what's fulfilling. Yeah. yeah. Good on you, man. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men This Way. What does it actually mean to be a man connected to heart? And what is the gift of feeling emotions anyway? And what can you do to be more connected to heart, if that's even meaningful to you? Well, in this episode, my guest is Bruce Cryer, and he's a man of many gifts and talents and experiences, but perhaps most notably, at least for me, he's a co-founder and former CEO of the renowned HeartMath Institute. And Bruce and I mine these questions and more for useful insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. In a world of many older men but few true elders, Bruce Cryer is a true wise elder. I met Bruce only recently when our mutual dear friend Preston Smiles introduced us here in Austin. Now, I just mentioned the HeartMath Institute. What I need you to understand is that in the early 2000s, like about 20 years ago, I was working for and with my dad and my stepmom on our way to building a $50 million company that was researching what let's just call the science of energy medicine. And when I stumbled upon HeartMath around that time, I was blown away by the work they were doing, measuring the electrical signals of the heart and studying their relationship to our emotions, our thoughts, as well as to the world and other people around us. What they were doing was establishing a scientific basis by studying the heart in scientific, measurable ways for just how tangibly we are connected to one another through some transfer or connection of energy that exists between us. It was mind-blowing to me at the time. So getting to sit down with Bruce today and getting to know him more in my life now is truly a great privilege and honor. Now, his resume doesn't stop at heart math, but really only begins because since a young boy, Bruce has been a staple in the New York art scene, singing in the choir for Duke Ellington at 15. And by 19, he was playing the the role of the boy in apparently the world's longest running musical, The Fantastics. That ran more than 800 performances. He trained at the Oberlin Conservatory of Music, performed in Shakespeare in the Park. He's done television commercials and films and ran a small art business in New York City. And the principles that he developed in conjunction with his work at HeartMath, principles around coherence, health, performance, and leadership, They've been taught to global executives at the business schools of Stanford, Columbia, University of California, Berkeley, and more. And Bruce overcame a life-threatening illness before releasing a new album of songs in 2017 entitled Renaissance Human, which you can find on Spotify. And he's now 13 years cancer-free and almost 12 years living happily with titanium hips. Bruce has lived a rich life and gained immense wisdom in the living of it. And today we talk about what does it mean to be a man connected to heart. We talk about the delusions of what we think that means and what it actually means. We talk about more than just the poetry of it, but what does it look like in the actual body? And based on Bruce's time with Heart Math Institute, which I think is is very interesting and compelling. We talk about men coming back to creativity after years of shutting it down talk about the gift of feeling everything and what we miss out when we resist feeling. We 
talk about all that and more. And Bruce also shares simple practices that can help men and women tangibly connect to their hearts in any moment. It's a rich conversation, and I think you'll enjoy it and be served well by it. If you've been listening to the show for some time and you've genuinely been served by these conversations and these explorations, consider leaving a review on your podcast app. Doing so helps this show immensely. I put a lot of time and energy, even money, into this show and a lot of passion and heart and I really work hard to create a a quality experience for you here. And Leaving a review is is just a small gesture that will take you a few minutes and would really help me and help the show immensely. And, and, and leaving your own words can help let other people know that this is a trustable and worthwhile space and that we're up to meaningful conversations here. So I'd sure appreciate it. And again, it would help me in the show immensely. Thanks so much. Now... Take a deep breath and stay present with me and Bruce Cryer all the way through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Mr. Bruce Cryer, welcome to Men This Way, sir. It is an honor and a privilege to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Brian. I'm I'm delighted to be here. So thrilled for the invite and uh, look forward to what unfolds over the next few minutes. Yeah, you, your, your, your work. I mean, I'll just start here, and I, I will have said this in the introduction as well. But your role in helping to bring the wisdom of heart math to the world, uh, I was paying attention to back in, I mean, twenty years ago in the early in the early odds. What is how they say it? Early two thousands, uh, when when my family was doing some work that that your research was. Uh, really supportive of and helpful for. So um, it's really, truly, man, uh, it feels like a bit of a full circle moment to be able to sit with you today and talk with you. And I'm really honored. So thank you for saying yes. Thank you. Well, it's a thrill to get to know you and to learn a little bit about your work, your life, your your story that brings me here to join with you today. So it's an honor for me. And I've been listening to your music on Spotify Congratulations on getting those songs released and and uh, you know how does it feel to return to your artistic and creative roots after a whirlwind lifetime of as I said earlier like helping to bring the heart maths wisdom all over the world and as, as well as all kinds of just fascinating entrepreneurial pursuits how does it feel to just get back to singing songs and recording music and it's thrilling i don't know any other word other than thrilling um shocking uh also because <laughs> when, when I, I i kind of put that on the shelf and then forgot i'd put it on the shelf and thought, forgot it was even an option to take off the shelf it yeah. been some years really and when the when the moment hit me and i think i shared this with you the other time we spoke um after singing Christmas carols with 2000 total strangers at the Kennedy center mm-hmm. and this in, in Washington DC and this insight came, a voice came basically saying your singing voice needs to get out to the world again. And that was around 12 years ago that happened. And, uh, and you were to, how old at that time? At the time I was mid fifties or whatever that was 58, something like yeah. that. Yeah. So, so, so mid late fifties and here comes the voice. It's time for you to sing again. Right. In the public, not just in your car, like for people right. to yeah, hear yeah. you again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not just passing drivers at, at stoplights. So, uh, yeah. So that 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 in itself was thrilling and, and shocking. But then to get into doing this album with these two guys, the brothers Corin, Isaac and Torald Corin, that who, who themselves are amazing men, just mm-hmm. em- embody the kind of people that that you that you want to hang out with, and I want to yeah. hang out mm-hmm. with how men can be and. And, and and be fully men, you know, their full artistic side and and yeah. strong and beautiful fathers and yeah. amazing men, brothers to me, not just to each other. And, and they were my collaborators. And to be able to get into a studio after months of working a process that they had designed for me and then re- recording songs that they insist are mine. <laughs> And I know I was involved and, and they, they say we was all you and, and yet the artistry they brought to the shaping of the songs and the downloading of the fragments of songs that turned into full songs 
it's just like it was a remarkable experience and then to know that people can listen on spotify and i mean yesterday i was getting my hair cut and uh this lady who i was talking to we're getting i told her i was gonna be on the show today and she said really and she's and she was like she's completely changed her vibe from i was her 20th haircut of the day to she really wanted to talk and listen <laughs> i was telling her a little yeah. bit about my health journey and yeah. i'm gonna be on this show all about men and and where men are going and she was like really really intrigued with that and as it, as it, the day ended i thought i'm going to send her my, one of my songs mm. that's we, the music video we did a little music video for it on youtube and i said i'm going to send this to you and and uh so to be able to do that and to know that she is liable to love it because 90 percent of people who listen to it like wow what a cool yeah. song. it's a great little video and, yeah you know that's an incredibly fulfilling feeling to be able to know that there's an energy and this the song is all about authenticity actually which song did you send her it's called yeah i'm me okay. it's kind of my favorite yeah. of the ones we did for the yeah. album renaissance human and uh, so i sent her that one just because it felt like it's it, it so embodies my journey yeah well well i i love i love songs that are are sort of held underneath by piano with a with a beautiful voice floating on top and mm. and that came through in your songs uh, mm. repeatedly as I listened through to them, and and I could hear. I think I heard Gary Malkin's piano. You did. I did on one of Gary Malkin. I'm a big fan, and I know he you and him have been buddies for a long time. Gary is the pianist on two of the songs on that album, actually. One that he wrote called "Harvest Moon," and another uh, one, uh, "Yes, I'm in Love," yeah. where he, he I needed him to play it. He just totally knew how to do that song. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could feel his his music coming through. Gary uh, produ- wrote and created, produced one of the one of one of the most inspirational albums I ever ever heard. Graceful passages. Yes. Uh, a song. How do you describe? I know this isn't about Gary and his music, but but I'm just just for my listeners. How, how do you describe what, what is graceful passages? Well, Gary created with the help of a, a partner named Michael Stillwater, this remarkable album where he recorded the voices of luminaries in the field of death and dying. Yeah. Uh, and, and some of them were people who were in the midst of knowing they were dying. Most of them were just had these incredible inspirational things to say. Yeah. And so Gary recorded the voice, but then he can, he composed orchestral pieces to go under their voices of their, yeah. it wasn't an interview. Gorgeous was, pieces. And the, I mean, he literally, it was an 80 piece orchestra at Skywalk yeah. Ranch. Yeah. George mm. Lucasfilm, amazing. Yeah. I've been yeah. there in that studio. I've recorded in that studio. That's what he did. And so, yeah. you know, it, it was like a, a labor of love and the kind of a life's work all into one album of these incredibly moving pieces yeah. with the hauntingly beautiful music yeah. scored to match the voice he had recorded of this Deepak or you know, Marianne Williamson. Thick not Han, I think. Thick not Han, Kuba Ross, et cetera. So it's, it's, it's extremely moving, extremely touching. Yeah. yeah. Anybody who's listening, who, 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 who is, who is grieving or pre grieving the, the death or loss of someone important to them, maybe even their own lives. If, uh, uh, listen to graceful passages, it is an incredibly comforting and beautiful experience by Gary Malkin. And, but the reason, you know, it's notable to me is because again, he, Gary Malkin contributes to your music and, and the two of you together, it really creates something beautiful. So I just wanted to acknowledge you, Bruce. I know, especially as a man, I mean, we talked about this when we met at the the, the coffee shop a few, like a month ago or so we talked about you know, men and creativity and, and how, and I think it's interesting, you know, a lot of men really hunker down in life you know, some somewhere late teens, early twenties, they start to hunker down, to contract in their bodies, to just get the job done. At least the good men, the so-called good men, right? Contract in their bodies, hunker down, do the work, do all the things they're supposed to do and hit 50 and feel dead inside. The creative life extinguished for so many men. Exactly. And that you are how old are you now? How, how exquisitely aged are you? As I like to say, <laughs> I'm a 69. I'm 69. Uh, it's a good year. That's a good year. 
it's a, it's a fine year. And, and here you are again, and you're returning to your, you know, in your creative body. Uh, It's just, I think it's an inspiration for men. Well, you know, I, I had the gifts of two highly creative parents who didn't pursue creative careers per se, but never lost their love of beauty and their love of, of artistic and musical expression. My father was a brilliant singer, could have could have been an opera singer. He was so good when he was young, but th- that was not a, a career option for a farm boy from Ohio during the Depression. Mm. So that, you know, he became a, a yeah. dad and then worked yeah. in the life insurance industry. Mm got transferred to the New York home office and commuted into Manhattan every day for 35 years. And wow. But doing the, doing the solid dad thing and had yeah. five sons on top of it. And so that was a lot to, to look after and provide for. But, but he, he had this lovely balance of weekends were tending to his gardens, his rose gardens. Mm. He had, we had built this house that my mother and he had designed it was kind of a dream house for the family, not some huge place, but in a gorgeous setting, mostly woods, and they designed all the landscape and they had hired nobody else to do that. Wow. Yeah. People uh, came in to lay down the, the sod. Yeah. They wanted to uh, not just seed. But my dad designed everything else and tended it all. I got mm. to move along. But uh, uh, yeah, I know that. I know that story. But as well. yeah, exactly. but uh, but the beauty and the, um, the satisfaction he got from that. I'd see him walking out, coming mm. his his roses and and picking bugs off of roses and and the joy he would experience from that and my mother meanwhile was a brilliant artist but she had chosen a, a, a more conservative uh, career path of being a high school home economics teacher and uh, but her, the home was full of her yeah. oil paintings her sculptures her textiles her costumes all kinds of things yeah. so there's creativity everywhere mm. and it just seemed normal to me yeah, I, I didn't realize so much later that this was not a normal, and my parents were pacifists. So other than that, this was a completely normal upbringing. Upbringing. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, to grow up in an environment like that, it didn't seem odd to to pursue creative things. My father was kind of kind of a bit of a split personality, working for an insurance company, but having this this creative muse inside mm-hmm. of him. Mm-hmm. When me, the youngest son comes, comes along and have some musical talent and then I'm singing again and I had a decent voice and my father was like, yeah, go for it. And and then I start getting work and in a major show, longest running musical in the world, as you know, um, I got to play the lead role for quite a while. He was so excited and so thrilled mm-hmm. that his youngest son was fulfilling a dream of his actually. And he yeah. just he just lived through me. But then the other part of him would be like, "So what are you going to do financially if the show? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> You're not getting paid enough for your your, mm. your lead role in this show." You the know, two he, parts he, at war. Two parts at war. Yeah, but he never, but he never let that be overbearing either. He would still just honor the art, the artist, artist in me. And so coming back to it, as shocking as it was, also, uh, you know. It, 12, 13 years ago, in the aftermath of all the health stuff I, I went through for a couple of years, it was a, a big surprise. You know, you, your singing voice should be heard again. Yeah. It was a surprise when I discovered I could dance on titanium hips. That was especially shocking after double hip replacement surgery. Mm. My body would now be able to actually dance. Mm. And I, I couldn't even walk without pain prior to the surgeries. Mm. So now I could actually dance. Mm. That was overwhelmingly joyful to me that that yeah mode of expression was going to be available to me again to get over grief to get over shame to just live again and express and move and keep energy moving and keep it moving thanks to dance yeah so um, yeah I, I feel very grateful that I, I didn't have too too huge of a block to accepting the creative my creative nature yeah well I'm, I'm very touched that your father was able to at least predominantly support your, your, your creative expression as a young man, because I know a lot of fathers, uh, in their jealousy or in their, in their, their own lack of fulfillment would otherwise seek to squelch the, the son's achievement in some way. So I'm, I'm touched by that. When you raise a great point of the, the jealousy, I never felt any of that from my father. I mean, I was in the show in New York called the fantastics, which happened to be not that far from his office. I mean, he could, he probably could walk there and 20 mm-hmm. minutes and get a cab there in five 
and he came often. Mm. <laughs> he'd show up. You know, he'd be. I'd, I'd hear somebody say, "Hey, Mr. Cryer," and he was walking mm. backstage and, "Hey, hey, Dad, nice to see you tonight." But he mm. was so supportive, and and my mother too. Um, she didn't have that that pull to to music per se, but so supportive, and it was so ingrained in me that if if someone is living a, a dream of any kind, I want to be happy for them, and it has nothing to do with me. You know, it is, it's all about honoring them and, and good for you, dude. And, and man, I'm so excited for you. And so that it, it, it's hard for me to feel jealous of other people's success because yeah. it, it, this is for them. This is what's fulfilling. Yeah. yeah. Good on you, man. Uh, I think that's such a, a beautiful thing that we men can and, and and I say must learn to cultivate the ability to celebrate. That's one of the things that we do in our in my men's groups that I run is we intentionally have celebration time where we celebrate each other's successes, whatever those may be for a man. I think that's so important to cultivate because I think we live in such a spirit of competition and I love competition. I love competing. But when I only live there, I suffer. Yeah. And everyone else suffers and I feel disconnected from everyone around me. And so, um, that's a really beautiful practice. And I, I feel like, uh, you're, you're answering a question, Bruce, that I, that I ask a lot of my guests to help our audience get to know them more. That, that question about, uh, tell us a significant, about a significant event or experience in early life that played a fundamental role in shaping you as a man. I feel like you're, you're, you're answering that question. I'm really getting a sense of of something meaningful that that you experienced as a child, particularly in relationship to your father or a young man, um, that shaped the creative, loving, uh, generous that you are today. But but I want to just check in with you to see if if there was something else that that you wanted to share in in regards to that before. Yeah. We yes, there on. is. Um, and it was a, it was a series of experiences, really, but they were of the same nature. And so it eventually it became so there was a moment years later where I realized, wow, I have been so shaped by this mm. thing of my father. And, and what it was is, is, as I've indicated, he had a, a tremendous love of music and, and of beauty and of art. But when it comes to music, because he sounded like an opera singer, I mean, he had just a gorgeous tenor mm. voice. And would, you know, the, the Sunday ritual, you know, go to church, have a wonderful big Sunday meal. Mom, mom cooked him. She was a great cook. And then he would get, kind of go to his, his chair in the living room. This was a contemporary home, though, not a kind of old fashioned home. So it was a, a cool, a kind of cool chair and a cool vaulted ceiling. And it was a lovely space looking out over to forest. And he put on some kind of classical music, a Mahler symphony, a Verdi opera, something. And, um, but it'd be something that was inspirational to him. And, and, and this was, and it wasn't just a Sunday afternoon thing. Sometimes it'd be evenings as well, but especially it was a Sunday afternoon thing. And some days he'd just be sitting there and he would be like conducting as imagining he was Leonard Bernstein conducting the New York Philharmonic doing the Mahler's fifth symphony. And you, you could just see him getting into it. And some days there would be tears streaming down his face. Wow. And he was allowing himself to be so moved by the music. Mm. Sometimes he would kind of call out to me, Bruce, hear this. Or, you mm. know, and I just, I'll never forget him saying my name in mm. those moments of, of mm. the depth of his experience of the sheer awesomeness of music. Mm. And when I was younger, I, I couldn't, I, I didn't have the depth to understand really what he was feeling. <laughs> it was slightly yeah. uncomfortable for me you know, initially. Uh, right. But that over time, Wow. I kind of surrendered to my own love of music, you know, kind of later in my teen or teenage mm. years. And then at a certain point later, I, re I began to realize, I think as I, as I was maturing, I started to realize you have really different parents than almost everybody else that you know. You are so lucky. They have so, mm. you, you, you pick the perfect ones to, mm. to, to, to support mm. you in the journey that you're on this lifetime. And it, it was it kind of gradually started to hit me that, my father's deep love, him allowing himself to be that moved by music, mm. to be that moved by a human connection. I mean, he'd come yeah. after me after a show sometimes and just be so moved and just hug mm. me. Wow. Like, you know, just he couldn't stop. And yeah. we'd come to visit them. They retired to Florida and Bruce is here. And, you know, he was just his exuberance and, and passion. It was so touching. And I've had the opportunity to tell the story of, how moved I have been by my father uh, in, in keynote talks and concerts that I've done. And I'll, I'll actually play 
the last movement of the the, the what's called the adagietto of the Mahler's fifth fifth symphony, which was one of my father's favorites. Mm. And it's this very kind of it's it's the final movement. So it's it starts mm. off sort of slow and very deep and very gradually shifting the deep dark colors, not not heavy, but just very moving. Like this mm. is this is moving. So I'm sitting there as my father. Mm. Would sit in his chair in our home in New Jersey on a Sunday afternoon, I just with my eyes closed, just be conducting as this music, this beautiful, gorgeous symphony is playing behind me. And as the music starts to build, my movements start to build, and before long, I'm I'm conducting, and then and then I stand up as Bruce, not just as my father anymore, and it turns into almost a dance with the music because I'm a dancer, not I'm not a conductor. My dad was fine just to keep conducting in the chair, mm -hmm. but. Now it kind of turns into me. So as the music's soaring, now I'm doing this and 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 becoming my my dad in another way. And yeah. I've a chance to express those moments yeah. um, publicly in front of hundreds yeah. of people. And yeah. so often people say to me, that was the most moving part of the entire thing was when yeah. you became your father. And the experience of feeling him, feeling his love, feeling feeling how much he cared about me, but how much he cared about music and about experiencing joy and wanting to share that with others yeah I thought, man i am so lucky that i had a father yeah. like that because that's how i feel but it's, it's me now it's not just me playing my dad it's i feel that way music can move me so powerful i want yeah yeah i want to share it with others so. well i i i hear in that a father who allowed himself to feel profoundly and I know so many of, of the men that I've worked with, many of the men listening, um, had fathers that shut down their feelings, that didn't want to feel or, or distracted their feelings and you know, diverted their feelings into alcohol, perhaps, or, or, or sports, you know, just yelling at the TV when your team misses uh, a, a catch or something. Yeah. And um so I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm deeply again, moved by, by your relationship with your father and by, and who your father was that he just simply allowed himself to feel, <laughs> to hug you, you know, with, 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 with full enthusiasm. That is, that shouldn't be special, Bruce. We should all get that, but it's so special tragically and wonderfully for you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really touched it's, by that. Every now and then somebody will, will say to me, is it okay to hug you? Uh, you know, and my mother was a hugger too. And I said, it is it's so okay. I'm actually genetically programmed to hug. So uh, if you don't hug me right now, I will feel strange. <laughs> so, so you kind of have to hug me. Yeah. You, you know, one of the things that I'm really eager to explore with you, um, as we were talking about this interview, this conversation, you, you shared that 30 odd years ago, you declared that your path in life is the path of heart. And I love what you revealed to me immediately after that is like, you had no idea what you were talking about when you said that. And I can so relate to that because let's see, I'm 48. I would say, <clears throat> let's see, I was probably 28, 29, about 20 years ago. I said to a woman that I was newly in relationship with a relationship that was already going off the rails. We were maybe four or five months in and we were already hitting our shit. And I said to her, I just want a relationship. I want to create magic with a woman. And at the time, I, I thought I knew what I was talking about. But in retrospect, I had no fucking clue what I was talking about, what that meant. Yeah. <laughs> and of yeah. course, the next five years were hell. I created no magic with that woman whatsoever. I created hell with her. Yeah. So I love this. I, I'm really fascinated to track your journey. I've written a lot, you know, in my own work about like being a man connected to heart. And so I'm really eager to explore that through your, through your experience, your insight, you know, having declared this, this very, this clarity, having had this clarity, like that's a good thing to be a man connected to heart, live a path of the heart. And, and at the same time, I mean, in retrospect, not knowing what you're talking about. So as a, here's, here's my question. This is, this is sort of a two-parter to, to, to launch us off. What did you think you meant 30 years ago? And what do you know now about what you said 30 years ago? Does that make sense? My question? Yeah. Sort of two-parter? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, I think one way to put it is kind of like declaring anything that you think you want to be in life. Like when I said to myself, I want to be an actor, there was the vision of, of the actor was all the incredible parts, right? It right, was like right. the fame, oh, yeah. the, the mm -hmm. joy of, of audiences <laughs> applauding and laughing and, right. 
and and the great roles, the amazing roles, and, and all this yeah. accolades and all the rest, and and that's what dr- dr- draws you to anything, really, mm-hmm. right? Um, in the case of the of the heart at that point, and this was as this heart math organization was starting, and we were in the in the formation stage. We didn't have it. We, we didn't even call it heart math yet when this realization was coming for me. But it became so clear to me that I am supposed to be on this path about the heart. I'm a man of the heart. Mm-hmm. And what my sense of that was, was it was all going to be about love. And this would mean I was, I would be dedicated to love. And that sounded great. Sounds great. What's it, what, <laughs> what could be the downside with that? Right? Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want that? Exactly. Yeah. But it also felt noble. It felt like I found a higher purpose in my life. This is, you know, there was some sense that maybe wasn't going to be all, all roses and, and unicorns, but I was mostly motivated by the sense of I've found my direction. This is, and this isn't weird for me. It's not like I've not been a man of the heart and now I'm kind of trying something completely new. I always felt like I was a generally pretty loving, caring, receptive guy. I wasn't like crazy weird, but, um, so the, the sense was definitely, this was a positive path that would be mm-hmm. helping the world, let alone me in the process. Mm-hmm. And so, it's, so then the second part, what, what is it in reality? It's all that. And, and I think one of the upsides, the, the upsides I never could have really imagined is what love feels like when you really surrender to all aspects of love. And the power of love in me now is more profound and stronger and deeper than I could have imagined, really, because I didn't have the circuitry yet. I didn't have the, I wasn't open enough to know what it could feel like. But to get there, <laughs> You know, because it wasn't just jump, you know, 30 years and suddenly you're you're there, yeah, yeah. was recognizing that the process of opening the heart to your own truth, to your own wisdom, to the the, the to compassion for others, to forgiveness, to all the dimensions that come with heart, let alone all the trauma. This, I mean, I've recently had a, an awareness, a deeper level of awareness about abandonment issues that I had as a as a very small baby when basically my mother's father died suddenly of a heart attack when I was about nine months old. And I was unexpected. My mother never wanted to admit that, but I was unexpected. And so I'm a nine month old baby. Suddenly she loses her beloved father, who she was just shattered by this. She takes me on the airplane from New Jersey to Iowa as a nine month old to go to the funeral. I don't have any conscious memory of any of it, but I imagine what I felt like. Yeah. And and it, and it was it was kind of constant mixed feelings. I know that I was I was a comfort to her. Mm-hmm. That being there, she had something to care for that she loved. Mm-hmm. We had a deep connection always. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't I wasn't a problem for her. Mm-hmm. But she had she had all these mixed emotions. Being with the family, her father was really gone suddenly of a heart attack, and so so I was I was as a as a baby still adjusting to life. Didn't even walk yet. Yeah. With this deep love of my mother, suddenly she's gone and she's like she's, really gone because she's yeah. she's in you know, and so out. In and out. Yeah. yeah. And so that that's been a, a theme in my life to some degree. Yeah. And all and I've been aware of that. It's not like I've been oblivious to it, but it kind of came back around while I was taking a walk around around here in Austin the other day. Like, wow, that abandonment thing, that's 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 still an issue in there for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And so the agreeing to my this this inner wisdom that I'm a, I'm a man of the heart. This is why I'm here. Also meant <laughs> uh, identifying all those things that keep us from from being in in a, in a loving state mm-hmm. and accepting um, the grief and the shame and the guilt. And so the part of it that I didn't anticipate, and of course didn't know how all the things in my life that would happen over the over those next 30 years that would affect the, the loss of both parents during that time mm-hmm. um loss of three of my brothers um you know there's many many the loss of my marriage many losses that that occurred let alone things that that happened inside me that created feelings of shame and guilt and and there was a point where i recognized and this was after i had kind of gotten through the cancer and staph infections and the, the hip replacements and and the and I think I'd had the salmonella poisoning by then too, and the mm. shingles. I'd had all that, and was reco- recovering forever everything. And I was finally realizing that um, how essential it was in my growth to allow myself to feel the grief for what had happened in those those couple of years. To allow myself 
to to really acknowledge and accept that the loss of my how much the loss of my mother had affected me. Mm. She had been declining with Alzheimer's for 10 years. So she cognitively was gone from us five years before she finally passed. Mm-hmm. So we I could not connect with her at all yeah. on mental levels, on cognitive levels. You I lost her before her she was gone. We lost her before she was gone. So on a, we'd, we'd all had to sort of make peace years earlier that, no, she, she, she will never again remember she had you, never again remember she was married, never again remember mm-hmm. who you are. And we'd had to make peace with that, all mm-hmm. of us. And yet when she, when she's finally gone, yeah. like well, there's, there was still always, I think, in probably anyone that's, is this a child of a, a parent with Alzheimer's, that feeling of, well, they're, they're going to, they will come back. They, mm. they will come back, you know, and mm. even if it's not conscious, even if you tell yourself, no, it's not going to happen. There's mm. still that wishing that you could one more time at least. And so when the finality of that co- happens, and it was in the midst of all this other stuff I was going through and questioning my my role as CEO of HeartMath and 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 the marriage was clearly we weren't at war it wasn't enemies at all we were and we've stayed friends and very supportive and loving for one another but that was shifting it was like oh my god man <laughs> but I had to allow myself to go there go to the grief accept it and not wallow they've been so afraid of wallowing and so afraid of getting stuck as i think so many men are they don't even want to touch a lot of those feelings because they feel they will get lost there and they will lose all their strength all their perspective and i had to trust because i didn't i didn't feel like i had a lot of choice there was so much going on it's like i can keep resisting why why would i keep resisting life is kind of forcing me to accept what is going on, believe there will be a positive future out the other side, but you got to fully yeah. experience what you're going through, dude. You, you, you have yeah. to. Yeah. And allowing myself to do that was very hard because I, who, who wants to feel all those feelings all at the same time. Right. Yeah. But I just had to kind of allow myself to go there. And then over time, I realized I have to continue to allow myself to go there. I, I have to. And that's, and this is the weird irony of, I think, for so many men, is that we think that the, quote, negative emotions, stressful emotions, that whole category are what make us weak. And it's and it's the opposite. It's not yeah. the ability to acknowledge you've got those feelings. That's the strength. That's where the courage comes in. Yeah. A lot of people hear my story and they say, wow, you're so courageous. And I say, you have no idea. Because <laughs> if, mm-hmm. if, if you just think it was the physical body that was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be like that would be tough. But yeah, I'd understand what else was going on yeah. during this time. I was every level of my life was was up for grabs and like, where am I going and what's what's going on? So that's yeah. where the courage was for me was in accepting and dealing with all the uncertainty and then not knowing and just like, where am I going? Am I going to survive? And mm-hmm. and if I and if I am. What do I want my life to be like? I I, mm. I can choose here now. So that to me, that's the that's where the real strength mm. of full manhood comes is the acceptance yeah. of all of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I see so many parallels in 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 this this your declared path of heart as a as a man and my declaration of you know I I, <clears throat> I mean you know my my work focus has been largely around relationships intimate relationships and, you know, <laughs> me making my declaration, you know, as a, as an adolescent child, really at 28 years old that I'm going to make magic with a woman. That was my adolescent having no idea what I'm talking about, but you know, it's all going to be on the up and up. Magic means amazing all the time. No bad feelings ever. <laughs> hey, Daisy. Sounds amazing. And, and, and of course, you know, the opposite was true. I mean, to make magic, I'm I'm with my wife for seven years now. And, and I think we have an extraordinary relationship, not because, but it's kind of like, you know, you, you had an extraordinary father. It shouldn't be extraordinary. Men should just feel men. We, 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 it's our birthright to feel in the same way, you know, my wife and I, I think what, what, what does make us extraordinary is not that we're just uniquely special. It's that we allow the feelings, we allow the messiness to be a part of the experience. And, and, um, it's messy. Being in relationship is messy. Living life is messy. And, and I think, you know, so I'm, I'm 
what what I'm hearing in in your story, which really validates my my experience, and and I think is so important for our listeners to hear, is 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 this this the, the, yeah the, the the magic or the the heart is 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 not in just everything is great. I call that masculine utopia. No problems ever. You know, we got no problems, no bad feelings. That's masculine utopia. Right. Everything's <laughs> got its place. We're on schedule with everything. All the boxes hey. been been ticked. All the problems are solvable quickly. I, I love how often guys would say things like, you good? You good? Yeah. Yeah, I'm good. Sure. <laughs> we had two minutes ago, two moments ago, yeah. we were yelling at each other, but we've, we've stopped it. Right. So you're good, right? We can, we can go on now. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 What, what do you, what do you think men are missing out on? by being, I don't know. And, and I want to get into a little bit of the the more practical, I love the poetry of being connected to heart, but I want to talk about some, some more kind of practically what we're talking about here. But I'm just, what do you think men are missing out on by just not even being attuned to this, to this conversation about being connected to heart? First thing that comes to mind for me of what men are missing out on and how different my life feels compared to prior to all the health stuff, is joy the the depth of joy that I now experience? Mm. Song can randomly show up on my playlist while I'm driving, and suddenly that song literally feels like it's penetrating my heart, and I just feel these tears. And it can be any song, almost not literally any song, but in, in my, my soul's got it set up where music enters my life, as an example, weird angles. And it moves me so deeply. And, and I'll say, I'll kind of have a moment with God, like, did it again. Thank you so much. Mm. Thank you so much. Once again, I have, I'm feeling this incredible, overwhelming joy about this simple song that's right now playing on my iPhone. Mm. And my point is the depth of joy that comes on the flip side of allowing oneself to feel the grief, to feel the abandonment, to feel those things. The opposite is so much more profound. Like I am brought to tears watching a Netflix mm. medical show, yeah. a Netflix British yeah. crime drama, where yeah. the, all the people in the, in the damn Northern Ireland are so sweet. <laughs> They're so touching. They're so vulnerable. And I can feel this, oh my God. And just this, this sense of, of joy and gratitude that is so much deeper. I mean, I've always had sensitivity. I'm yeah. not like it was just cardboard and yeah. suddenly thanks to the heart. Now I can feel. I was always a fairly sensitive guy, but yeah, yeah. way another level of it. Yeah. And that's what I'm trying to say is that yeah. the degree to which we're afraid of the experiencing the the quote bad feelings um is directly proportional to how much more depth of positive feeling we will have by trying yeah. by doing it. Yeah. And that's, that's what's hard to explain yeah. without experience. But the experience yeah. is just that, oh my God, I just, on a regular basis, it could be a sunrise. It could be a piece right. of music. It could be seeing yeah. the look on a child's face that just is so sweet and it just melts you. Yeah. And that's an incredible power that a, a man has inside to feel all of that. Yeah. And yeah. Ha have you, uh, have you seen this or heard about the show, the last of us on HBO? No, I've heard of it, but I've not seen so, it. So the last of us, particularly episode three, that's the one everyone's talking about that. Mm -hmm. I watched that a couple of weeks ago and I felt something in my heart that slayed me that if, if any men listening, watch the last of us. And when you hit episode three, if that doesn't slay you, you got problems, buddy. Like that, I'm, so I'm curious, Bruce, to, to when, when you when you get around to, to watching that, um, yes. it is. My wife's not into these sort of apocalyptic end of the world shows, and The Last of Us is based off a video game that that's uh, a master. I played the video game; it's, it's incredible storytelling. And, and the HBO special, a lot of times, video games turned into movies are just stupid. They're horrible. Yeah, yeah. They have done a masterful job of 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 telling a whole new version of the story in a sense. And, um, my wife got enraptured. She got drawn into that episode three. She was kind of cleaning in the kitchen a little bit and doing dishes. And she started to pay attention. And, you know, next thing I know, she just stopped everything and just watches for the next, you know, 45 minutes. And, and we wow. both were in, we both were just sobbing. And I, and I was so grateful for that capacity to feel. Exactly. And, and even as a man, it's still scary for me. There's still a voice in my head that says, don't do it. 
don't cry, don't do it. My wife wants me to cry. She loves it when I cry. And I still hear the voice regularly. It's like, nah, can't do it. Don't do it. You know, so for me, it's a, it's a constant practice. And, and I, and I want to ask you about some practices that you would, would, would recommend to, to men that you would offer to men, um, who want to connect more to heart. But before we do that though, I, I want to ask you about how does your time at the Heart Math Institute, what you learned there? I mean, you, you all were researching. You know, the way that I would explain it in the past is is very oversimplistically. Is you know, the Heart Math Institute was was researching the electrical electrical signals of the heart and how they relate to well being, how they how they relate to our connection to other people, to the world around us. And but I'm really curious, and I don't know if that would. I'm sure you'd have a completely more interesting explanation than that. But, but what I'm really curious about is how, how do you reconcile? Like what is, what is being like, how does your time at the heart math Institute inform you on, on this sort of poetic mystery of, of living connected to heart? Does that, does my question make sense? You kind of get what I'm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, number one, it's, it's always in me. Um, when I get interviewed for articles or podcasts, it's always a question that comes up. I'm talking about it all the time. I still coach people around it. So it's, it's something that even though I kind of formally left the leadership of the organization in yeah. 2011, I never stopped. And it's, yeah. it'll always be a part of me because how I relate to the world is so informed by all that we learned about the how the heart actually functions on multiple dimensions mm -hmm. within the human system, but also simple tools to access its power. So I I continue to practice the the mm -hmm. one of the basic most basic of all the heart math tools. Focus your breathing through the heart. They call it heart focused breathing. Clever mm -hmm. name, heart focused breathing. You're just breathing in through your heart for about five seconds and breathing out for about five seconds and just continue to do that for a little while. And that practice is extremely stabilizing when there's turbulence emotionally going on. Uh, it's a, it's a very calming. Mm. It also can just put you in touch with a softer part of your heart. Mm. So, um, but the, part of what I also love, and yesterday I was on a call um, to this um, senior airline executive over in, over in Dubai, actually. And I was, as I was talking about some of the dimensions of the heart that are so still exciting to me, and I've, I've said the, the words about it five, 6,000 times, you know, it's not like a, a new idea, but yeah. it's still so exciting to me because the, what the heart is sensing and communicating throughout the body is, and even outside itself to other bodies, to other humans is very profound. So what continues to motivate me about the years I spent with heart math was just how profound the lessons of the the scientific elegance um, of what the heart is actually doing inside us. So as a, a man of the heart, not knowing really what the fuck I was saying when I said that, yeah. but feeling deeply committed in my soul that that is me, that these are not, you know, uh, superficial words that I'm uttering to then be part of an organization that was discovering more and more things discovering in the sense of Western scientific discovery, not true discoveries because many cultures for thousands of years had revered the heart in ways that predated scientific uh, sciences understand ability to understand it. 5,000 years ago, it was understood in Chinese medicine that there were silk threads between the heart and the brain. 5,000 years ago, that was written about. Now we know that's the vagus nerve and the autonomic nervous wow. system. Yeah. That's that's really there. Wild, yeah. 5,000 years ago, they, they had language for that. Yeah. So we didn't discover a lot at, through heart math, but we gave Western scientific mm. validation, which is incredibly valuable, right? So it, it's kind of always alive in me because there were so many understandings of, the, depending upon the state, the emotional state that I'm in, I know, because I've studied it and taught it forever, all the different things that are happening in my body. If I'm stuck in, on a stress jag for whatever reason, and often, you know, I think a lot of times men, women too, um, can get stuck feeling something's really unfair, yeah. right? So stress is because of how unfair this is that's mm -hmm. going on. 
that I can't believe they did that to me. And, you know, I, I went through a year of, of, I can't believe I'm in this situation in a job that I've been, I've been in. It's been getting relieved little by little. I've been indicated step by step in the process, but it was a year of like, this was so unfair. And that's a debilitating kind of stress. And at the same time, I knew, dude, here's the deal. Yeah, it was unfair. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, everybody's acknowledging that now. But you were still the one aging yourself by hanging on to that, whatever you were still hanging on. And that was part of the beauty of heart mass research was just a simple stress reaction of any kind, any, any time of the day begins a cascade of about 1400 biochemical events in your body, just by that reaction you have to the alert mm. that comes up on the phone while we're having our interview. Right. You know, I'm, my, mine's on airplane mode, so I'm not getting interrupted, yeah. but you, you get, you get the point. So heart yeah. math, the science of heart math is kind of the, a constant reminder of yeah. choice every moment. And and I I can have more awareness of you're you're off the path of the heart right now, dude. You're in little resentment mode right now. You're into like I'm going to show her kind of kind of vibe. Well, what what good is that? And it's yeah. not. So the heart math research has been a terrific guidance inner guidance system. Right? Remember what you're doing to yourself right now. Mm. Yes, you're justified to feel how you're feeling. Yep, right on, cool. Yeah, and you are aging yourself the longer you hang on to this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I've tended to live more in the poetry of being connected to heart. And I think when I, when I discovered heart math 20 years ago, I, I was so enraptured by what you all were doing because it gave a, a scientific foundation to the poetry that, that I, I mean, you know, so much of the world is caught up in Western culture. All our pop songs are about, <laughs> we don't use these exact words, but it's like, we're trying to connect to heart, you know, love, yeah, uh, sure. pop, pop culture is all about, give me more love. And, and so, um, I think a lot of men, when we talk about connect to heart and a lot of, a lot of men, I think it's easy to dismiss that as just, again, just poetry, just, you know, I don't even know what you're talking about. Connect to heart. You know, I think of a lot of, a lot of, uh, I hear from a lot of women in my work that, that are very frustrated because they they're with men that are very disconnected, disconnected from their bodies, disconnected from their hearts. Yeah. And so this is, this is such an important topic for men. So let's talk about some practices and you, you've already shared one and you said, uh, heart, heart. Centered breathing is that what it's called? Heart focused breathing. Heart focused heart breathing. Focused breathing. Yeah. So, so you're so, literally focusing the attention in the area of your heart as you imagine it. you're drawing in air through there and and exhaling out the same way. Got super simple. Like super just simple. four four or five seconds breathing in, four or five seconds breathing out. So it's a a slow pace, and and I'm using my awareness, my attention to just imagine as though I'm breathing. From my heart, in and out of my body. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Even just you talking about it feels relaxing, feels centering, feels calming. Um, it is. What are some other practices that you that you have, that you would offer men to help them connect to their heart? Well, I have noticed that there are many things that make my heart feel alive, mm. and so I make sure I do them. <laughs> and part of that's being out in nature. And there's lots of ways, depending upon the individual, what what most excites you about being out in nature? Is it a sunset? Is it being by a lake, the calmness of a lake? Is it just walking and just being able to walk for a period of time? Mm -hmm. And and connecting to your heart doesn't mean you have to be feeling this, this incredible sense, of, oh my God, the magnificence of nature. I mean, I feel that way often. Mm -hmm. I didn't used to. So that is possible. But that's not the point that you've got to be kind of stepping outside and, oh, my God, just overcome with the utter majesty of. But if you give it a shot, you might actually have feelings like that. And then 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 you feel incredibly strong, actually, because you feel like I am connected to the magnificent universe. I'm a man in, in a magnificent universe. What's more empowering than that? Instead of instead of feeling at war against the universe or against life, you're, you're empowered by it. So being out in nature. Um, think, well, I'm thinking of your father in his garden. Exactly. He's ins selling insurance all day. Imagine, and I think a lot of men get caught in this, selling insurance all day, come home, sit in front of the TV, grab a drink, sit in front of the TV or watch sports or go on the internet and we're just contributing to our dead deadness. And I I, th I see your father coming alive in his garden and, be, and, and in his music. So that's, yeah. that's a great suggestion. Yeah. I mean, I look, I am... 
I, I do a lot of photography of nature, whether that's sunrises, sunsets. I'm, I'm kind of known. I'm, some people call me sky man, cloud man, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm posting a lot of gorgeous mm-hmm. Austin sunrises right now or whatever. But um, but I also feel very motivated to share anything that moves my heart to share that with others, mm-hmm. whether that's a poem. Um, you know, we, we we talked about competition earlier and how. Um, how you, you, anything that makes you want to compete, you kind of enjoy doing that. And that is a very powerful drive for a lot of men. And it was always an irony to me that whenever you see NFL games or sports of that are quite intense and extremely kind of masculine, macho kind of energy, they're all talking about heart. My guys play with so much heart. I'm so, I'm so proud of my guys. I love my guys. And they have no qualms about saying that. Man, I love coach. I love, I love that man. He, he means the world to me. And and, and in that context of brothers doing battle, no problem talking about heart and talking about love, but you take that context away. And that's a strange, at least we've got that. At least we're able to do it in that way. But I'm saying if we can do it in that way, why can't we then just transpose that into other situations where it's not about winning a game? Yeah. I, I came up with this phrase one time: um, "When winning matters, let love win." I like that. Like if you're all caught up in winning, really matters, man. That's the most important mm-hmm. thing. I understand that drive. Try to, to try to turn that into mm-hmm. well, then let love win. Because if, if love is going to win, then love will know the highest best. Some teams got to lose. Everybody's not yeah. going to be a winner in every situation. Yeah. So let them win. And then you'll be okay with the fact that you didn't win some something that seems so all all important at the time. So um, so I, I'm, I guess I'm, that was sort of a long riff on looking for things that inspire you and then sharing that with others. Because what often comes back then is more love and more appreciation. And that opens your heart yet again. So by intentionally sharing things whether that's through social media or just to a friend sending something along that that starts a flow of of heart that does end up coming back often in surprising ways and um, i mean those are those are some of the things i mean i have all kinds of routines that i do of reading something inspirational every morning Mm -hmm. because i want to try to feel Mm-hmm. a depth of inspiration in my heart mm-hmm. before my day starts. Yeah, yeah. And I, ex- I experience God as a presence in me. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't use that language until quite recently. And, and sometimes as soon as you were, use the word God, it's like, uh-oh, here we go. Are we going down a, you know, a God path now? But I'm, I'm comfortable saying that and, and experiencing that. And so for me, um, there's a direct connection between my, my ability to open my heart and kind of acknowledging a divine presence mm-hmm. that's beyond me, yeah. but in, but yeah. in me. Yeah. And so the practice of trying to feeling that, and there's different ways, often music that gets me in touch with that, that feeling, yeah. making sure I'm doing something yeah. to play that song again, dude. You know, yeah. you know that one that does it every single time. It awakens a certain thing in you every single time. Yeah, well, you know the the your your father's gift is rippling through the ages right now because I I just keep seeing him in in your in your sharing his the story of him. I'm seeing him in conducting the music in from his chair and and saying, Bruce, come here. You've got to feel this. Like, wow. Talk about a man in, in the moment whose heart is just bursting and and wanting to share that with the people who love, even though they, they can't necessarily fully take it in. I, I do this with my wife all the time. In fact, we joke, we we joke a lot about uh, you know, the 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 cartoon movie Aladdin. And uh, see, I'm I'm wanting to show my wife the things that inspire me. Babe, look at that. Babe, look at this. Come check this out. Oh my God, you got to see this. Like, look, 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 look. Like, get yeah. on my magic carpet ride. I want to show you yeah, the world. Yeah. You know, that's the whole song. I will show you the world. You know, uh, it's yeah. like the, the the masculine wanting to bring along the feminine into. I don't know if that's the right phrasing of it but but it's but there's something magic about wanting to bring the world around me into what is inspiring me and and there's a little bit of heartbreak when the when you know my wife is like don't bother me right now you know i can't take this in stop telling me to look at everything 
<laughs> even that, even that, even opening to that little disappointment, that little sadness is is part of is is a beautiful part of my own heart practice. It is, and that's a that's a fantastic example because that is the flip side of the sharing, isn't it? Because yeah. sometimes you don't get the thing coming right. back at all. And then you have to have, you can either be, oh, that's so, that's so unfair. Right. <laughs> Tearing totally. my heart. I'm doing that the sucks. very thing exactly. that all women want men to do. And yet right. I, I get <laughs> But then you, yeah. you can also go to the place of, if you really cared about her world, this could be a real interruption for her. This is not the yeah. right time. That's timing right. is everything. So that's yes, right. it's, it's the timing for you. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's, it's automatically the timing for her. So it's really cool that she's not accepting it right at this second. That doesn't mean she's rejecting all of you. She's just saying exactly. right now. Back thanks. off. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right now. No. Okay. All right. You know, uh, yeah. Uh, Bruce, there's, there's, there's so many more questions uh, that I have for you. Um, and I, I'd love to do this again uh, at a future date. There's just so much more to explore with you. I really enjoy <clears throat> talking with you and, uh, we're just scratching the surface of of the of the the wisdom and insights that you have for men. So, <clears throat> but I'm I'm aware of time, and I just have a few more questions for you to to wrap up. And and would you do this again with me someday? Love to, man. Absolutely, Great. Great. love to. Yeah, I think definitely you're, have to do you're, it. You're, you're you're excellent to talk to, talk with. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's fun. I I connect with you super easy, like when we first met, and uh, it's very very satisfying. For me, talking with another guy who's as aware of yourself, but also of men in general, and whose mission is to help in in these ways, and it's it's really uh, very warm and feels fantastic to do this with you. Thank you, thank you. I I receive that fully. Thank you. Thank you. So let's see. We'll just a couple more questions, and I guess we'll I guess we'll go this route. So. We've just had a a really rich and, and varying conversation, um, but I'm curious, what's one key insight? We'll go with this route. What's one key insight that you would want our listeners to leave with from this conversation that you believe could make a meaningful impact on their lives because it has in yours? I think how I would summarize part of what we talked about earlier was that in acknowledging all the colors and dimensions of what each person is, all the the joys, but also the the grief, the fears, and all that, appreciating, uh, surrendering, being vulnerable, and ultimately celebrating all of those dimensions, that on the other side of that, the reward for the courage to to accept, especially as a man, those parts of ourself that society doesn't want us to accept, let alone express. Mm. But the upside of that, the reward for that is a depth of heart, a depth of compassion, a depth of ability to be aware of self, but also of others, to be more sensitive to the world and the responses and the what others are going through. I think I'm I'm way more conscious, even when I feel frustrated by someone's behavior, of reminding myself now in these days where I've had to accept dark parts of myself that I have no idea what another person is going through. They could be exhibiting behavior towards me that feels so horrific. Mm-hmm. Somebody recently was terminated in a, in, in a job that I was happy to hear on one level mm-hmm. that the person was being terminated. Mm-hmm. But when I got the news, I said, I'm, I'm relieved that this is happening because this was not helpful for, for me and my work. Mm. But I take no joy in hearing about this termination. Mm. I have no idea what this person's yeah. world is now like as a result of this, what what yeah. reaction this has caused in her family, yeah. what was going on in her life that led her to behave in the way she was behaving over and over and over again. Yeah. I don't know. So I have to be humble that yeah. I don't have any idea really what her life was like. And so I can go to that awareness much more frequently now. Yeah. Because who knows all the things that I have been dealing with? Who knows? Yeah, a handful of people that would know me well enough to know all that I have gone through. So um, I think that humility and compassion is is so wonderful to to have to have that. It's, it releases you of so much. Just when you want to wring that person's neck, because how yeah. can they? Like, yeah. wait a minute, dude, you have no idea what they're going yeah. through. No yeah. idea. Yeah. And be humble, be be compassionate, be loving, and see where that takes you. That's beautiful. So I just I just feel like there's 
it's not just we need to clear that stuff up the mm-hmm. the trauma that we yes we do but the 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 power that's released for good <laughs> um for love for connection is indescribable um without until you experience it but it's great yeah Yes. And this is continuing to work. It's like, as I said, I was just two days ago yeah. walking around the park here and yeah. something about abandonment hit me. Like there's, yeah. there's another level to go, even though I'm very conscious of that part of my life and felt like I've done a fair amount of work. And, and, and there was no question that I felt like there was anything intentional done towards me. I wasn't abused at all. Mm-hmm. But that didn't mean a nine month old baby wasn't deeply impacted emotionally by what was happening. No, through no fault of anyone. But it's my responsibility now to heal whatever still needs healing. All right. Thank you. Well, we'll finish with uh, what I call your five core emotional triggers. You ready for this? Kind of a little bit of a, my, my own version of a lightning round. Five <laughs> okay. core emotional triggers. It's been be very simple. <clears throat> Question one, what makes you mad? Uh, unfairness. <clears throat> unfairness. Me too. Question two, what makes you sad? Lost opportunities, lost dreams. What causes you to feel joy? Music, sunshine, love, connection. What causes you to feel fear? Believing I'll be abandoned. Mm. Believing I won't, that I don't have enough. Mm. Yeah. And the final one, and this is a sort of dealer's choice. What causes you to feel either shame or embarrassment or that just makes you want to hide from the world? Feeling like I should have accomplished more by this point in my life. Oof. Yeah, I know that one. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, Bruce, again, such a pleasure and privilege to to talk with you and to to have you on Men This Way. Before we conclude, uh, please tell our listeners where they can learn more about you and what you're up to. Well, um, one advantage of my last name, which is Cryer, is that I, I don't have a problem in general with crying. <laughs> and so I've, I've learned to embrace my, my, my last name. I am my last name. Um, and I use, I use my full name everywhere. So my website is brucecryer.com, Facebook, Bruce Cryer. I think I had a hacker got in. So I think it's Bruce Cryer 151, um, LinkedIn, Bruce Cryer, Insta, Bruce underscore Cryer. So Great. I'm in all those places. I've got a YouTube channel called Renaissance Human. But yeah, I'm out there. Uh, yeah. But my name basically is just Bruce Cryer is the way to find me. Amazing. Uh, Bruce, again, thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this. And I know that our listeners are going to get a lot out of this as well. Well, thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it, Brian. Brian with a Y. Um, mm-hmm. you've, got a, you've got such a beautiful essence. Thank you. You, you, are, you embody so much of what to me is, is the man of the future and the man that we can be now. And uh, I really honor all that you're contributing every day with every breath that you're, you're taking. And it's a, it's a, I feel privileged to have spent this time and to know you. And I'm thinking, I want to hang out again. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, we're not that far away from each other right yeah. now. I'd love to do another coffee at wherever. wherever. Um, I'd love to hang out some more. People um, like thank precious. You. I'm yeah. so in and thank you, especially coming from, from, from a true elder your words mean the world to me because I rarely hear that from from older men. So I, I feel emotional just 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 hearing that from you. It's uh, it, it matters. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you again to Bruce Cryer. You can find Bruce at www.brucecryer, C-R-Y-E-R, just like it sounds, dot com. Of course, that link and any additional resources will be in the show notes at brianreeves.com. It's brian with a Y, reeves.com slash men this way podcast. And again, please go write a review of this podcast right now on your podcast app. Doing so helps me immensely. And it also helps other people realize this is a trustable space. I deeply appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.